Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Champion for the first time. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. center. Wow. Jokic. Here's Gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Mikosh from DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network here Saturday, about 4 o'clock, my time, mountain time. We are coming off a big win from the Denver Nuggets last night against the San Antonio Spurs. So you know we're going to talk about that on today's show. We are also, this is the first time we've got to get together since uh, since the All-Star break. So, uh, Jamal Murray, of course, he, he took part of two events, um, Rising Stars Challenge and the Skills Challenge. So, let's get, we'll break that down a little bit. Uh, and then I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. So, I'm thinking in the second part of the show, last week, last week I kind of personally went through my thoughts on a lot of the different, uh, a lot of the different pl- potential playoff opponents. Uh, but I thought maybe this... This week we could uh, we could get some of my co-hosts' thoughts on that as well, uh, and then finally, we don't ever we we're so serious on the Pickaxe Pundit Show. So I decided this week let's finish it up. We'll play a little game uh, in the spirit of the Olympics. I am going to put our two co-hosts to the test <clears throat> on their knowledge on former Denver Nuggets players and current U.S. Olympic athletes. So we will find out what they know on that subject at the end. Uh, with a little game, so without further ado, let's let's get let's introduce our our two co-hosts for for the show. First off, all the way out South Carolina, it is a Mr. Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, what's happening, guys? I'm officially the same age as Jamal Murray now. So, congrats to Jamal Murray. I'll, first drinks on me when you come out here. I'm sure he'll take you up on that. Unfortunately, they've already played the they've already played the Hornets this season, though. So, yeah, it's too bad. But uh, he was twenty then, so we have to abide by the rules, right? You think? I'm pretty sure Jamal was getting drinks, you know, if if he wanted them, right? Like, I don't know that anybody was really going to be checking his ID in Denver. Certainly, nobody nobody's letting making him pay for a drink anymore in Denver nowadays. I don't know, man. I've never drank before the age of twenty one before. So yeah, me <laughs> me neither. Absolutely not. 
Uh, and we don't condone such things here on the Pickaxe Pundit Show. All right. Uh, our other co-host, he is the the wielder of the banhammer, the king of the comment board. It is Chief Moderator Mark Grimaldi. Mark, what's happening? How's it going, everybody? Uh, felt better about being on here before I knew there was an Olympic trivia section, but uh, I'm going to do what I can. <laughs> I made sure I made sure to let both of your guys know nothing uh, about about the game because I didn't want any cheating. I wanted no googling, no research. Uh, you guys are going to be put on the spot. Uh, and we I have not watched it. a single minute of the Olympics this year. <laughs> yes, I was banking on that. Uh, <laughs> but so I'm no, hey, look, if you if you know your nuggets, if you really know your nuggets, you'll be just fine. But you, man. You gotta, you gotta really know your nuggets. We'll get into that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, I, I gotta get to the business part. I gotta get to the business part. So, uh, follow us at the Denver Stiffs on Instagram. Uh, we'll just switch it up. We'll start with Instagram. Uh, follow us at Denver Stiffs on Twitter at IndyIn Dash Radio. Uh, I'm at Zach Mikosh. Ryan Blackburn is what is Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn nowadays. Uh, yeah, still at NBA Blackburn. It hasn't changed in a in a long while, Zach. So thanks for I'm, that. <laughs> I miss Ryan Blackburn nine. That was easy to remember. It was the ninth Ryan Blackburn on Twitter. No one, no one could forget that. This one, this there could be there could be lots of NBA Ryan Blackburns for all I know. Oh yeah, all of them. Oh, <laughs> all at least one of them. And then uh, Mark, Oops. Mark, you're you're at Marcus Grimaldi, I believe. I'm at Marcus Blam, but to be totally honest, I'm pretty Marcus useless Blam. on Twitter, so don't worry about it. That's not true. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I know I've at least, I can think of, you know, uh, not specifically any tweets of yours that I've enjoyed, but I think I can think of times where I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a smart, uh, clever tweet by Mark. Ringing uh, endorsement. I think you're great. I think you're great. I, ha- I can't find any examples of when you were great, but we'll just we'll just go with it. Specific. Uh, it's a, it's a ringing endorsement. Look, I, I think Mark's got like 36 followers. It's as, it's as much as I can do. Uh, we'll just bring <laughs> I'm a big deal. The tables. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody go follow Marcus Blam. Exactly. Exactly. We're we're gonna get him to 100 uh, by by six o'clock tonight. Uh, all right, enough, enough, enough uh, business and enough dawdling. Let's let's dive into the uh, into the show here. Uh, I'm gonna start. Let's go. Let's get the the all star stuff out of the way because I think you know. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Like, I, I don't find a ton of intrigue uh, in the all star games particularly, and and we'll get into that uh, specifically here in just a little bit. But you know, I mean, Jamal Murray was like the representative for the Nuggets this time around. I think last year. Uh, Grant Murray played in the in the Rising Stars Challenge as well, but I think you know it was more it was more Nicole Jokic was kind of Denver's main representative. If you remember, he played in the Skill ch- Skills Challenge last season. Um, you know, this year Jamal Murray he he's in the Rising Stars Challenge as the reigning MVP. He does play in the Skills Challenge as well. Gets knocked out in the in the second round, or I guess the semifinals. I don't know, whatever. Um, but it was, I guess that's kind of what I think about. Like it was, it was a good representation of the Nuggets. He played. I thought he played well in in the Rising Stars Challenge. Didn't obviously repeat his MVP, but he had an okay. Uh, he had a, he had an okay game. It was perfectly fine. And then, you know, if he hits that three, if he if he makes his three attempt there against Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, he's going to the finals, and he's probably gonna probably gonna beat Laurie Markkinen, I would think so. 
Yeah, it, it was fine, I guess, is the way I looked at it. What, what about you, Mark? Like, I mean, do you take anything more from, from Murray specifically and what he did at the All-Star game? So, I was a little surprised about how he lost the skills challenge. Um, I thought if anything was going to kill him, it wouldn't have been his three-point shot. Um, I do think right. we see that his percentages of shooting are much better in Denver than on the road, and I think some of that has to be mental. And I don't know if maybe the bigger stage just got to him a little bit, but if anything, I thought he would show out with his shot. That being said, I'm just happy to have a Nugget there, rocking the city uniform. Uh, maybe a few more people will tune in and watch the Nuggets because he did look good in everything that he participated in. In no way did he embarrass the Nuggets in any way. So I'm happy he was there. Right, yeah, and I, I think you bring up some great points there. I mean, like, the, the city jersey almost alone in itself, you know, it's it's like a unique thing. And the, the Nuggets are the only ones who kind of have that, uh, that like, bring such attention to the shorts part of the jersey. You know, nobody else is really... Uh, trying to make the make highlight that that on the uniform, uh, so that's kind of a cool, unique thing that that we got to to see out of him, which was which was nice. I also, yeah, I was I was surprised at his shot because he even said before that he thought you know the passing part would be uh, the toughest portion of, of the skills challenge, and he did just just fine on that. But but even in both rounds, even in the one he won uh, in, in the first round, which was really against I think it was against what, Lou Williams was I think who was yeah uh, yeah he was up against yeah. So even in that first round, he. I mean, he didn't shoot it well, but he neither neither did Williams, and he ends up going to the second round. So, but you're right. I, I thought it was it was interesting, but well, like I said, whatever. Uh, Ryan, what about you, man? Any any special takeaways from Jamal Murray specifically at the uh, All Star game? I don't know. I thought I thought he really belonged. Like it, it just seems like a venue that he's pretty comfortable with. He he didn't shoot as well as he probably should have in the skills challenge, but he didn't make any glaring mistakes on on the layups or. Or passes or dribbles or anything like that. He just he just went through his own and and the shots just didn't fall for him there. And then in the in the Rising Stars game, it was it was kind of more of the same. Except I mean, he he shot reasonably well. Like right. he just he just seemed like he belonged. It wasn't really his show this time. He uh, he kind of took a backseat to a couple of other guys. And if he wanted to, he probably could have asserted himself a little bit more. But he he the world team was dominating and. I'm, pretty sure he was just happy to be there at that point yeah yeah no and that was yeah i tried to tell people man i was i said it on twitter and some people were giving me crap but right when the, those rosters came out i was like man this world team uh they're gonna they're gonna probably smoke the uh the usa team and and, and it wasn't like it, some people it's funny they came and then later they're like oh you know the au fundamentals and and all this and i was like it, it didn't ever really occur to me like that that, that was uh, a part of it it was just i thought man the world team was just so much so much more talented just in general that that particular roster uh and, and but, but you're right but it, hey man hey man the the u.s team could jump really high so right well no, no i mean, to say it, that the u.s team has some has some really good players uh, i mean I, like i'm a big jalen brown believer uh that's for sure and i mean donovan mitchell is he uh, sure can jump really high <laughs> yeah man Ryan to be fair teams. if aau is gonna no. prep you for anything it's a no defense all offense all-star game <laughs> and, and honestly, I I am a big fan of Jalen Brown as well. I I do think that a team that shoots really well and a team that's really skilled is the proper team to to bet on in an All Star game in an All Star scenario. Um, yeah. And that's just kind of how the world team was built. Like you've got a guy like Joel Embiid who stretches the floor, a guy like Lowry Markkinen who stretches the floor. The U.S. team didn't really have guys like that on the on their team, and they they're relying a lot on guards. 
And right. I mean, it's okay. It's fine. But it just doesn't always work out that way. Yep. No, I, no, I agree. I, and uh, like I said, too, I mean, just, well, and, and I mean, uh, the when you think about it, they had Joel and Beat, and they had, uh, I mean, they have Ben Simmons. That's probably those have got to be the two best players probably in the game right there. Uh, and they're both on the world team. Jamal Murray's got to be pretty high up on that list as well. And he's on the world team. I mean, they, they were just, they were just the better team uh, overall. Um, enough about the For sure. I mean, yeah, I was like, I mean, I think that's what I'll, all we should probably need to talk about the, the Rising Stars Challenge, uh, which is a fun game. It's but uh, it's just not it's just not that important. Jamal Murray already won a Rising Stars MVP. Everybody can see what he's yes. capable of. Like he's, I mean, he's doing all of this stuff in NBA games, and a lot of those guys just aren't. So it's it's he really the- impressive to see what he does. Uh, and I'm I'm excited. Like he he. He went into the weekend extremely hot, and as we right. saw last night, like he he didn't necessarily play as best as he could, but he he still played well. Right, exactly. What did you, Ren? Back on the All Star, what did you think about uh, the way they changed up the format and and made it so it's no longer East West? It was Team LeBron versus Team Steph. Well, I I think it's it's the right way to go. Uh, I kind of post this on Twitter. If the, if they do that, they they really should be taking the pool of injury replacements and even reserves from from both conferences because of that. Like if if you're gonna make it about the players and not the conferences, then make it all the way about the players and not like don't don't right. keep the conferences like in in the mind's eye because of that. Like you could have seen a guy like Nikola Jokic hop in an all-star game and an all-star setting and and really showcase his talents on probably the second biggest stage in in the nba timeline right uh, and that that just didn't happen because you had east guys getting injured and east replacements were were sustained for them so i don't know it's 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 fine i i think it was it was a lot more competitive the way that they did it and i'm i'm all for more competition you know, I, I thought what was interesting, and we only saw the one, uh, we only saw the one scenario of this, but was you know you got to see Kevin Durant play uh, play against the rest of the Warriors, uh, and I thought that, that that's something that will be interesting to see moving forward is how many times you get teammates uh, who play against each other. I think every other teammate that was in this uh, All Star game ended up playing on the same team, but uh, it, it would be kind of a cool angle just because it's something you obviously don't get to see. Uh, during during the normal or during the regular season, which you know, All Star Game is supposed to be a kind of highlight different stuff. So, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I just uh, it was fine. Like I said, it's fine. Like however however you want to really assemble this group of players, um, I, I think your results are, are mostly going to be the same, uh, no matter what they do. You can even almost you're almost getting to the point where you can almost do a USA versus the world in the All Star Game. The, the USA team would probably win, but. You know, I don't know. That's I mean, it's closer than you think, right? Exactly. When you start thinking about, uh, you know, guys, all the different guys who can play. I just wonder. Obviously, there's probably more USA guys who are. I don't know. We we have to look at it, but I'm guessing there's more guys from USA who would be on the uh, All Star roster than than there are guys from not. So it'd be hard to somebody would potentially miss out. I guess. Uh, Mark, from, Mark, who do you think would be better in an All Star setting, uh, Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic? So. It's a weird question because, I mean, what does All-Star go for? I think entertainment value-wise, it would really depend on how much the other players let Jokic do his thing. 
If people are giving it to Jokic in the high post and he's throwing lobs to Durant and LeBron, I don't see how you can say Jamal Murray. Um, but, I mean, if people are bringing the ball up and, you know, trying to get their own buckets, I think it could be the kind of thing when we used to see, you know, Zebo or somebody like that in the All-Star game where guys kind of froze them out and they'd get a couple layups of their own, but were kind of boring and just a fundamentals guy. So, I mean, if people are letting Jokic run the offense and throw lobs and have, you know, nice pocket passes, I'd say Jokic. But I think Jamal is probably a little more set up to impress in any setting. Um, we know he's got the explosion to the rim. He had that nice alley-oop from Ben Simmons in the Rising Stars game. He's got range. Um, so I think it's easier to say that Jamal can kind of impress when there is no defense. Yeah. For sure. I'd, I'd definitely say, like, if you're a guy who can pull up from 28 feet like Jamal, uh, it's it's probably more likely that, that you can make some wow plays, especially with the threat of that jumper in a no-defense setting, like, you get one guy to pump fake and then you've got a wide open lane to the rim and how many guys are really going to contest your shot in that situation. So it'll be really interesting to see. I, and I think that both guys will eventually get there. Uh, so we'll have an opportunity to figure that out. You know, well, the interesting thing too is, I mean, Jamal Murray also has, has the athleticism, the sneaky athleticism that obviously Nikola Jokic doesn't have. So like Jamal could, you know, I could see him getting some, actually doing some decent dunks. Uh, during during an All Star game as well, which you're not going to get from Jokic, but I like what you said, Mark. Like, yeah, if you can if you can get the guys to just play along uh, with Jokic, man, like he that that would be some exciting uh, stuff to watch. Especially, I mean, I could just imagine because obviously it's a lot of fast break. I could just imagine you know Jokic just getting lots of baseball alley oops or the, those football pass alley oops almost to to just LeBron and. And Durant and they were Anthony Davis, you know, whoever. There's eight million guys on the, out there who could finish for him. So that it's a, it's a good question. It's a good question. I like it. I like it from uh, from Mister Blackburn. There. Uh, it's what I, I do, that's, baby. That's what I do. Uh, I think this, this is probably about as all we need to spend really on the All Star uh, All Star Weekend. To be honest with you, I want to get into I want to get into the Spurs game. Which yeah, I think is let's way, talk about this game, man. Right, which was way more exciting. Uh, so the Nuggets, of course, they they, they get the win. They get uh, um, the first win out of of the uh, the All Star break, which is which I think is a, is a key win because a lot of people uh, were talking about, hey, especially even on the team, we're talking about, um, you know, it, it kind of sucks that they hit the All Star break right when they did. I think Paul Millsap was talking about this in practice earlier this week. You know, it sucked that they hit the All Star break right when they did because they were playing really well, and sometimes. That can kill your momentum, right? We saw it just against uh, the uh, or just with the Utah Jazz, particularly. But they they that doesn't happen. The Nuggets they get the win one twenty two one nineteen in a game uh, which which we've seen comment no defense. But what was different in, about this time was that Mason Plumley was back. Mark, what were your thoughts kind of on, on the rotation, I guess, and how Plumley was used, and then and then just his game overall in his first game back. So I was honestly pleasantly surprised. Um, I mean, I've been listening to Adam on Locked On talking about how he wanted Plumlee to be back in the starting lineup if Plumlee would accept a reduced role. Um, I'm going to be honest, I was happy to see what the starting lineup was and Chandler getting the start. Um, but I did think there was a couple times that Plumlee really seemed to go into the dunker spot. I think it was in the fourth that he got a really nice alley-oop from um, Jokic and put it down. He had that great finish on the yep. pick and roll with Murray. Um, when Jokic fouled out. So I really thought he came back and, you know, gave us the defensive presence that people are coming to expect from him, which is a great thing you can say on this team. 
And um, I thought he spaced the floor better than he had and kind of cleared out a little more. So, I mean, I still don't think it's a perfect fit, and I prefer that there's not a lot of minutes with Jokic and Plumlee together. But I thought either he made an effort to make it fit better today or maybe it was dumb luck, but I, I liked the fit better. And some of that works better against a team like the Spurs that are running two bigs a lot of the time as well. Right, yeah, I think that that was uh, an important part of it, I thought, as well, was was the considering the matchup and who they were playing because you get with the Spurs, they play a lot of Gasol and Aldridge next to each other. And, and Aldridge in particular was, uh, was pretty much getting whatever he wanted, especially when he was Nikola Jokic defending him. So I, I saw why they did that more often. I, I agree though, man, I was actually very, uh, very pleased with kind of the, the, the minutes and how he was used. You know, they, they, Coach didn't go to pairing Jokic and Plumlee uh, together quite very much in the first half. I think maybe not even at all, or if it was, it was a real brief, uh, a real brief stint there. Um, but then in the second half, he leaned on it. He leaned on it quite a bit, um, and, and particularly there. Then, of course, down in like the last five minutes uh, until Jokic fouls out, he he goes to that lineup. And and I thought it was it was it was what you kind of want to see because like you said the matchup and how it was going um, and and I think Plumlee is a guy who can help you and I think can be effective while he's on the floor with Jokic and still be able to help you on def- defensively um, so I think you can't just say okay he's only going to play when Jokic is not on the floor because you want to play Jokic like he did tonight thirty four minutes or so a game you got to play but I think you got to play Plumlee more in fourteen minutes so tonight he gets twenty one he obviously probably gets about fourteen as the center by himself and then he plays about seven with Jokic to me that's about the perfect minute distribution uh, for those two guys Brian what about you were you happy with how Coach divvied up Plumlee's minutes and how he paired him with Jokic throughout the night Yeah I would definitely say so I I was. I was a little bit concerned, kind of like Mark, about what Plumlee was going to be asked to do when he came back. But in the end, you saw him get nine shots on in 21 minutes, but a lot of those were at the rim, like not a lot of hook shots, not a lot of uh, not a lot right. of fadeaways or anything like that, or floaters. No it crazy was very... like from the elbow jumpers. Yeah, I really think that most of it was in the flow of the offense. So so him right. taking nine shots may seem like a lot to a lot of people, but honestly, it, it didn't really seem like much of that was forced, if any at all. Uh, he only had two rebounds, and I while Wilson Chandler had 16 to kind of cover for him, uh, that to me is a slight concern. Uh, right. However, a lot of his time was spent guarding LaMarcus Aldridge and and contesting shots, so it's it's really okay to to see him not come out with as many rebounds at that at that point. But I mean, the age old question is is how Jokic and Plumlee look together, and I saw a little bit of kind of discombobulation tonight. But overall, it was I'd say I'd give that lineup a B, maybe a B plus. They really right. combated what what the Spurs were trying to do. Uh, Plumlee did as as good of a job as you can really ask on Aldridge. He he was definitely the best defender on Aldridge tonight, bar none. Uh, right, and and he made the the key play tonight when Jokic was on the bench and by by taking that that pocket pass from Jamal Murray with ten seconds left and dunking a homer of a Pau Gasol. So that that, was, that really sealed the game. I gotta, I mean, that play I gotta say was it was such a nice. I mean, it was it, 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 
you talk, one of the things we talk about about Jamal Murray and Bob when he needs to improve, and I think he really has this year, is his ability uh, to run the pick and roll. And, and like he did it, he did it just so perfectly. Everything about it was time. Like he, he engaged Plumlee at the perfect time in the shot clock. Uh, he drew away the defender just enough. Then he makes the perfect pass, uh, and then Plumlee with that finish, man, like that was that was not an easy dunk uh, to to throw down. And he he just completely flushed it. Uh, Nuggets win. It's a, it was, I, to me, it's one of the better highlights of the year. Actually, I, I was, I was absolutely really impressed with his left hand too. Like that's yeah, it's, right. it's it's very impressive when you look at it. But with with Jamal, you're touching on something really interesting there. Jamal's really understanding angles better. Uh, he's right. really understanding what he has to do as a pick and roll ball handler. He didn't have a lot of that experience in college to really get through it and figure it out. And as you see with some of these younger guys that don't necessarily play exclusively point guard at the college level, like it just takes time. Like it, it takes time right. to learn how to draw defenders in the NBA, how to how to really gain separation, how to put the perfect pocket pass uh, on the roll man. And, and we've seen really great chemistry between Murray and Jokic in the pick and roll. And, if if Murray and Plumlee are going to continue to act like that, then the then Plumlee's going to be a really big weapon, even when he's on the floor with Jokic, and and even when he's not on the floor with Jokic. I I definitely think that that Malone has a lot of weapons at his disposal, and Plumlee's one of them. Like whether people want to admit it or not. And right along those lines, I mean, along with him learning the angles, I think it's hard to say he's not just developing some more of the pure point guard skills. I mean, tonight he had kind of a rough shooting night. Uh, it looks like he was three for 11. But then you look at it, I mean, he's an overall plus three. He had only nine points, but he came up with six rebounds. Uh, sorry, nine rebounds, seven assists. So I mean, he kind of shut down the shooting. Right. I mean, he shut down the shooting a little bit because his shot wasn't falling, but we're still seeing him run the pick and roll well, find open shooters. Um, that's stuff we weren't seeing last year in the beginning of this year is him being able to say, you know, I'm not hitting my shots, but I'm still going to be aggressive in a useful way. Right. And when he, uh, and when it came down to it, like his defense wasn't great. Like, and as, as Adam has talked about on locked on for, for a while with Jokic's defense and how he's able to turn it on after three quarters. Murray kind of turned it on after three quarters and really locked in in the fourth quarter. Like it, it wasn't perfect, but again, like he's a guy that really just, he knows, he knows what his capabilities are and he keeps pushing the envelope and, and keep extending beyond that. It's really, really impressive what he's doing, man. Absolutely. I will say uh, who all, what also is very impressive right now is what Nikola Jokic is doing. Transition, how do you like that? Uh, and <laughs> so he, he, gets his, he gets his third straight triple-double tonight. Um, and obviously had the monster one in, in Milwaukee right before, uh, right before the All-Star break. It, it, it's interesting because Mason Plumlee played 21 minutes, like I said, about, about exactly what you want for Mason, and, and, and he played quite a few minutes next to Jokic. Uh, maybe some might even say it, it touched too many next to Jokic. Who knows? I, I don't agree, but but more than maybe you would think would be the norm going forward. Uh, and it, and he still he still played great. He still ended up having a triple double. He still ended up being uh, the major catalyst of the offense. Ryan, is this something that we just need to expect to just continue to happen now? I mean, can we think that Nikola Jokic, maybe maybe it wasn't all just 
uh, you know, him not or him playing next to Plumley and, and it not working. Maybe it's something that's just Nikola Jokic is just really hitting his stride right now. And and can we expect that going forward? And and you know, him ending up with what what he's got. He's got five triple doubles this season now, or six. This is uh, six. you know, I just I just sixth. looked it up. It's a sixth. All right, it's so amazing. same as last year, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think I think I predicted he'd have eleven before the season, but so I, I mean, I guess that's like how many do you think he he hits? Is is, is do you think he's going to keep going like this and end up in double digit triple doubles? My my prediction at the beginning of the season was a mere eight, and. Oh. Oh, the reason for that was because I thought he was going to take on more of a scoring load while Paul Millsap was going to be more of a, a facilitator for the team. Right. Uh, and obviously that hasn't come to fruition, but Jokic has had to do a lot of creation because of just the way that the season has gone. And and you're, you're starting to see him blossom, and you asked if this is what we should be expecting from Jokic. Absolutely. This is what we need to be expecting from Jokic if you really want to see him take the next step as a player. Like he's he has to bring this every night and it can't it can't be a hey, this is a, a kind of a one in ten games occurrence for him. It really needs to be a very consistent look for the rest of the year if the Nuggets are, are wanting to be in the playoffs, wanting to be a higher seed than just the eighth seed. They right. they have to turn it on and Nicolia has to be the leader. Uh Malone talked in the post game conference last night that uh he really thinks that Jokic should be in the all-star and MVP conversation. And in order to be in that conversation, and I, I do agree with him mostly in the all-star, probably not the MVP, obviously, but uh, like if you, all-stars are consistent, they bring it night in and night out. Even when the rest of the team isn't performing well, they don't get flustered. They don't get frustrated and they continue to put the pressure on the opposing team and, force them to game plan for them every single minute that they're out on the floor. And Jokic has still gone through some fleeting moments where he he floats in and out of games. And as we've seen over the last 13 or so, he's really changed that. He's really put the pressure on the defense, and he's going to need to continue to do that for this Nuggets team to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I definitely agree. I, I think he, it's, it's, it's a vital part. Like, we... I mean, we've seen it, and we've seen it all through last year, and now we've seen it once again this year. They when they hit their stride is when Nikola Jokic um, is playing his best, and if they're going to if they're going to avoid what happened last year, they need to they need to continue to play the way they have these last thirteen games. Uh, and even when Paul Millsap comes back, like yeah, it's at this point you you pretty much like you know at the beginning of the season they were trying to like get do stuff for Paul Millsap right help make Paul Millsap feel feel more comfortable by 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 doing specific stuff that he was good at at this point like not to say that you're going to put put Millsap in in a position where he's not going to be doing things he's good at but I don't think you're making any special adjustments to what the the, the offense is doing specifically uh, when Millsap comes back, like I think you're basically saying, you know, we kind of expect you he, him to fill that same role that Wilson Chandler's filling right now, um, and, and and that's just what it's going to be because we're going to continue to basically just ride Jokic uh, to the playoffs. That and if that's the case, man, like I think I had it. I think I picked eleven triple doubles is what I predicted at the beginning of the year. I, I, I we I could go look it up, uh, and I'm sure we will before the end of the year. 
but like I think that's right, right about where he'll be at. You know, I th- I think maybe maybe a little bit less that, that to get five more. I mean, the way he's all going right now, it seems like no problem. But five is actually that's still a lot to do. So uh, you know, I, I can well, see him maybe only getting like one or two more, but. Mark, I don't, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but this is his third triple-double in a row, and only Wilt Chamberlain has done that before among players that are 6'10 or taller. I, I mean, the three in a row on its own is just insane. Um, but for a guy who's a center to do it, obviously, I mean, that stat speaks for itself. But I think the craziest thing is I don't think I'm alone in that it, it doesn't even shock me when he gets it now. I mean, tonight when he hit the triple-double... Um, I turned to my wife and I said, you know, Jokic just got another, another triple-double and she kind of just passively was like, oh, great. Um, it's just not <laughs> it's just not even that surprising anymore. Um, and it should be. He's only had 12 in his career and six this year. But he just seems like a guy that at any time can put up those numbers. And even games where you don't feel like he's necessarily dominating or taking over, he can put up those numbers. So I think you guys are right that what we're really looking for is consistency for the rest of the season. But I mean, I don't really have a reason to believe that can't happen outside of some weird rotations happening. Mark's wife is like, Jokic triple-doubles are so 2017. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're so 2000 and late, bro. Like, like just uh, just had 2000s night, and, and you missed that opportunity. And I, missed, I missed it. I missed it with... I know, with the, and with the Fergie uh, whole anthem thing. The, okay. exactly. we, can we talk about that, like, really quickly? The, 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 I know no. we were already supposed to done with the All-Star game, but, like, what? okay, here's my here's my thing. It's not the worst that, if, that I've ever heard. Like, Carl Lewis uh, still owns still owns that title. Like, I just feel like it was like Fergie was like, she just does not have great singing range. You know, there's, there's the wonder of computers nowadays when it comes to making music. And uh, the national anthem takes some singing range. It's decent singing range to pull off. And she knew she couldn't do it. So she just, like, kind of, you know, muddled her way through it. I guess my question uh, is, when you know you can't do it, why do you say yes? If, like, are you that starved for money? <laughs> it, it was pretty, because at least, like, Carl Lewis and people who aren't singers, you can say, well, they tried. When right. Fergie comes out, who is supposed to be a professional singer, and Draymond Green is openly laughing at her on the scoreboard, <laughs> I mean that's it's a bad look. It was it was certainly it's not the not the best look for for Fergie there. It's not a good look. Can't. But but you can't hate the player. You got to hate the game in this situation. <laughs> you gotta hate the game. Uh, all right, let me. Where, where are we out of time? Because I want to get. Yes, great. Thirty-three. Right, real quick, real, real, real quick. Um, Mark, I'll ask you first. What was up with the, with the officiating in that Spurs game, man? Um, I mean, Tony Brothers. Uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> throw that out there. Tony Brothers was up. Um, I, I mean, it, it's just hard to tell sometimes because I really do think Jokic came out and said he was going to talk to the refs less, and I think he has clearly made an effort to do that, which I have been a big fan of. And right. since that has happened, I don't think that the Nuggets seem like a particularly whiny team. And not to be a homer, but it's hard not to watch some of these games and feel like we're just getting the raw end of a lot of these calls. And down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I think there was at least three possessions straight where we were just getting called for fouls. And then the replay of Murray getting a technical for making no contact with the referee, not yelling at the referee, and what looked like to just be asking – 
Um, I, I mean, I have to think it has something to do with the age of the Nuggets, but I think right. some referees just, it becomes a little bit about themselves and they feel like, you know, I got to stand up for myself and, you know, a show of force almost when really, ideally, in my opinion, the referees are best if you don't even notice they're there. And so I think it's kind of a combination of we, the Nuggets just aren't getting the respect other teams are yet, but also I think Tony Brothers is terrible. <laughs> to put it lightly, no, I agree. Tony it's... Brothers is an awful official. Uh, he's, he's right up there. Me and Ryan were talking about this before the game. He, Ryan mentioned Zach Zarba, uh, and I, I mentioned Rodney Mott. Like that, oh. that, that's probably that, that's the trifecta right there, Ryan. I, do you kind of agree? Was it just a? I mean, I mean, is it just a matter of, of the official officials themselves being terrible, or or is there like something more going on here with with the way really, the Nuggets were getting calls? It was really calls. bizarre. I I thought uh, I thought to start the game it was super physical, like like it was it was one of those things where the refs kind of let a lot of things go at the beginning of the game and you're kind of looking around like okay are these guys going to keep letting this go this seems seems like a pretty physical game for what's going on and then they started tightening things up and i think uh you saw both teams kind of get in their ear a little bit about hey that's a foul and apparently they got more offended with what the nuggets were saying to them because it seems like nikola jokic put up five fouls in the fourth quarter and and not all of those were genuine fouls. We'll just keep it at that. Well, and to piggyback on that, uh, sorry, just to hop in, to piggyback on that, I think it was it, sometime in December we played New Orleans, and Boogie had uh, five fouls for most of the fourth quarter and was still playing very physical, and everyone around me in the stands just kept saying, you know, they're not going to foul Boogie out on that. That might have been a foul, but you're not going to sit a guy on that. And then to watch them sit Jokic down on maybe an elbow hook, but I mean, a six foot two point guard throwing himself to the ground, you're going to foul a guy out on that? Just seemed like a really strange call. Yeah, no, I agree. That that was. well, it, it just felt like 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 the Spurs are getting star calls, and I'm like, who's the star on the Spurs? It's like you know, getting these calls. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It just seems like. Ugh, I don't know. You try not to look at it as a bias, you know, from the the biased view of obviously being a Nuggets fan. But it, I mean, it got, it got to the point where it was just absurd. Where where you couldn't, it didn't matter what side they were on the court. The Nuggets were just going to be called for a foul back and forth almost every single time down. Um, it is what it is. They get the win though, so so whatever. You move on. Kudos to them for for gutting it out and and, and maintaining their composure for the most part. Um, I'd I'd expect that the Nuggets. This isn't the last time that we'll hear about it from from the referees and the N- the NBA and kind of hearing like what what they're saying about it. Right. Uh, I I would expect some report to come out about how the refs kind of treated the Nuggets on this whole situation because it was it was not like I mean speaking from a Nuggets fan perspective, this is not normal. Right. Right, no, I, I I agree, I agree a hundred percent. All right, we'll tell you what, let's let's go ahead, let's hit a break, um, and then we then when we come back, we will we will break down some some playoff uh, potential playoff opponents or, or who we would want to see, who we want to avoid uh, in the playoffs, and then uh, we will do it. We will do uh, the game that I have dubbed former Denver Nugget or current U.S. Olympic athlete going to put Ryan and Mark to the test. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, everybody. 
I want to tell you about the charity drive we got going on right now at Denver Stiffs. We teamed up with the Denver Nuggets, Hope Kids Colorado, and Hoopswag.com for a really cool event, and I think you guys will love it. Here's the deal. Over on our site right now, in the bottom right corner, you'll find a link where you can buy your own custom Denver Stiff socks made by Hoopswag. They're 15 bucks a pair, and every pair you buy will also buy a ticket to an upcoming Denver Nuggets game for one of the children sponsored by Hope Kids. Hope Kids provides ongoing events, activities, and a powerful, unique support community for families who have a child with cancer or other life-threatening conditions. They surround those remarkable children and their families with the message that hope can be a powerful medicine. It's a great cause, and hey, if you like to run around barefoot like a hobbit, that's okay. There's also a link on the site where you can donate directly to help us bring as many kids and their families to the, one of these Denver Nuggets games. So check it out at denverstiffs.com, and thanks so much for your generosity. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Hummet Show. I am Zach Mikosh, sitting here with Ryan Blackburn uh, and Mark Grimaldi. They are furiously Googling all of their Olympic athletes to try and get the answers to this this upcoming game. Um, That would have been smart. I should have done that. (laughs) (laughs) I made sure. I made sure. Already uh... already behind the curve, man. (laughs) Story of my life. It's okay. It's okay. There's, it, there's always the chance that you just get lucky. So you never know. Uh, you never know. But first, uh, before we get into that, I want to. I want to get. Uh, I want to talk playoffs because I think. I don't know. I, personally, I, f- I feel really confident. I feel confident that the Nuggets are, are going to, uh, barring some sort of injury, knock on wood. Um, I think. I think the Nuggets are, are very, have a really strong case that they're going to make. They're going to end up making the playoffs. They seem to be hitting their stride at the perfect time um, of the year. Mark, if, if, so, assuming that they would, I guess who would, who do you think is going to be uh, would be the best matchup for them in, in the first round? So I'm going to agree with you that I think they will. I mean, for the Nuggets to fall out, the Jazz, the Clippers, and the Pelicans, I guess, would all have to make it. Mm-hmm. And I know the Clippers have been playing well, and the Pelicans are doing better than people thought they would. But I don't see, I don't trust either of them down the stretch with the rosters they have. So assuming the Nuggets make it, I think we can all agree that the Rockets are a nightmare and you'd rather not see the Warriors. Um, After that, I think that there's some teams the Nuggets have a really good shot against. Obviously, the Nuggets have lined up really well with the Spurs um, two in a row here. And in this one, they had Aldridge looking very good. And they're in a bit of a skid, but sounds like they're not getting Kawhi back. I do think a big question mark right now is going to be Jimmy Butler. Um, he went down pretty bad tonight in a non-contact injury, and there he's getting an MRI um, tomorrow from what I read. If he's out, if he can't play in the playoffs, I think that's a very, very different team, and I just don't see how they can match up with most of the playoff teams, including the Nuggets. Right, yeah, no, in particular, the, I think Minnesota would be in trouble, and I think they, they it's funny because, I mean, they're, they're, still, it's, they're still so close, and they could... Uh, you think about how well Minnesota played at the beginning of the year, and you would think that they gave themselves a bit of a cushion, right, in terms of uh, making the playoffs. Now, so that now, if Jimmy Butler is out for the year, um, that uh, they they probably could still at least survive and at least stay in the playoff 
uh, in the playoffs if, if maybe just fall back in the seeding because they, they're currently the fourth seed, right? But they're, they're actually, I mean, they, they have 26 losses. Uh, the Clippers are in ninth place. They have 27 losses. So, like, I, I, I wonder if the Timberwolves don't fall out entirely. Um, I could also see them, though. I, I think I could see them dropping back uh, at least uh, somewhere to the, maybe the sixth or seventh, maybe even eighth seed. Um, like you said, I think, uh, so I, I, I don't know. It, I agree. I think that would be a great matchup for the Nuggets. I, I wonder if it wouldn't happen, uh, or if what happened, I think after seeing the game against the Spurs, like I, that's a matchup I wouldn't mind either, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, the Nuggets are going to struggle, uh, with those two, uh, with the, with the, the big man up front and particularly trying to, to, uh, contain LaMarcus Aldridge. But uh, they don't have any defense for Nicole Jokic over there, and they don't really have any great uh, defense for, for Murray and Harris, or at least not enough, especially without Kawhi Leonard. So that, that's another matchup that I wouldn't mind. Ryan, what about you, man? Who, do you, who would you like to see the most uh, for the Nuggets in the first round? I don't think there's a really great matchup. I think there are some good matchups. Uh, like the, There's not really a team that I can identify and say, oh, hey, I would pick the Nuggets to win against this team in five games or six games. Right. Uh, if you had to pick a team, I would say Minnesota, barring uh, barring what we hear about Jimmy Butler. Uh, they're just a team that the Nuggets can score on like whenever they want to. Right. And I think that they, they could just outscore them. Uh, and if Jimmy Butler is not the same, then you won't have that same closer at the end of games that that really comes back to bite Denver. Uh, beyond that, I am not a believer in Oklahoma City in the clutch, and we've seen what the Nuggets can do uh, against them, and they've they've already taken two of the last three games against them. So I don't know. We'll we'll just ha- we'll just have to see. Uh, Portland presents their own matchup issues. I I think that their backcourt is at this point better than the Nuggets' backcourt. Right, but. The Nuggets do have an advantage in Nikola Jokic, but yeah. honestly, like that, we just we just don't know. Uh, right. Paul Millsap coming back could change everything for that kind of for that kind of playoff series. True. But, uh, we we just really don't know how this team is going to look until Paul Millsap comes back because he's going to be a huge part of whatever playoff push they make. But we right. just don't know what kind of team the Nuggets are going to be until that happens. Right. I think, man, <clears throat> I think the Blazers would be by far the most entertaining uh, matchup of anyone because of obviously the the rivalry that's already starting, that, that's already budding there. Um, and then, of course, you have, like you said, you have that great backcourt of Lillard and McCollum, but it's kind of like there's no better really measuring stick and almost kind of like a similar duo uh, than than Lillard and McCollum for, for Harris and Murray, and then of course you have Nurkic and uh, and Jokic, so that you've got that thing going on. I mean, it, it, to me, would be I think it would be a competitive series, probably a series that goes seven games. Um, and I, I think it would be a, a heck one of, of fun. One of the issues with facing a team like Portland is is you have in Lillard and McCollum, you have guys who are used to playing a heavy minute load, right? And, and they would automatically be playing like thirty eight minutes a night. Uh, right. no matter what against against the Nuggets. And we just don't know how the Nuggets guards would do on a 38-minute-per-night load uh, against that kind of team. That's actually, uh, light, light, uh, I would say that's actually uh, lightening the load for Will Barton if you're only giving him 38 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, 40, 44 is kind of, kind of his measuring stick. 
<laughs> I, I would uh, I would kick myself if I didn't point out that while I agree with Ryan that Oklahoma City, I don't trust them in the clutch. And while they might not be our best matchup because Russell Westbrook has always kind of torn us apart, sending Mello home in the first round uh, would just <laughs> make me happy for the entire offseason. So I think that's the matchup I'm rooting for, if nothing well, else. Well, here's, 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 here's what you need. You, you, go, you go with the 4-5 matchup between Oklahoma City and Denver. The, the Thunder can have the 4 seed. Like, don't really care. Nuggets win it in six, just kind of like the uh, the Golden State Warriors did in 2013 against the Nuggets. And then you talk to Paul George over the offseason, or or even during the playoffs. Who cares? Like it's it's the playoffs. Like, take him to take him to church, man. And no, um, go, go to the chapel and you decide, hey, maybe maybe that's a guy that you recruit. And and not only do you send Russell Westbrook and and Carmelo Anthony home, you. You steal Paul George away from them. Well, when Paul George Man. sees Carmelo Anthony being defended by Paul Millsap in the playoffs, um, it might be a little hard for him to think that he's in the better place than Denver. That's right. Gosh, that's absolutely absolutely. Right. Well, so so here, Ryan, here's the next part of that of that theory, and then uh, like two more years down the road, uh, the NBA is now, of course, completely gone with uh, with legalized betting on 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 their their sport. So they're getting in tons of revenue from that. There's a giant hike in the cap. The Nuggets sign a now disgruntled Anthony Davis who can't seem to get old past Denver uh, in the playoffs. And then they win, you know, multiple championships. You know, I, I, can, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to follow the Warriors model to a T. Uh, it works out perfectly. Um, we dream big on the Pickaxe Pundits podcast. That's that's right. That's right. No, nothing, uh, nothing uh, soft with our with our takes here. I think we kind of covered pretty much all all the opponents here. I was going to say who do we least want to see, but I think we kind of covered that. So I guess I'll go with the, just to, to kind of wrap up this discussion. Um, Mark, where do you, where do you think the Nuggets finish up? What do you, what seed do you think they end up with at the end of the year? So they're sitting in sixth right now. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they have the tiebreaker over Portland, New Orleans, and San Antonio. Um, I do believe that would be correct. Yeah, after tonight or last they, night. They, they, have the, yeah. they have the tiebreaker over all of those teams. The one team that they don't have it over is the Utah. Okay. Right, well, and, and well, they don't have it over the Timberwolves right now. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Right, they have two more to play against. Right. So having watched the highlight um, and going under the assumption that Jimmy Butler is going to miss time because it looked like the kind of injury that a per- they missed significant time for, um, I'm assuming they're going to fall back significantly in the standings. Um, the Nuggets are only a half game out of Oklahoma City, but I do think Oklahoma City is pretty well built for the regular season, so I'm not going to count on the Nuggets catching them. Um, that being said, I don't see Utah or New Orleans catching the Nuggets. So I think that puts Oklahoma City in the four seed, and then the Nuggets either in the fifth seed, or if the Jazz can continue to make their crazy push, maybe the sixth, but... Jazz are still three games back from the Nuggets. So if I had to guess today, I would probably say, like Ryan was talking about, we have the Oklahoma City at four, Denver Nuggets five series, which I think would be really exciting. You know what I think is uh, not something to, to discount is, I don't know that the Spurs stay in the three seed, to be honest. I was I was just going to ask him, do you, do you think that the Spurs stay at the three seed in that scenario? Whew, uh so, I mean, as you say that, I look over and they have lost four in a row, although two of those right. were the Nuggets, and they've lost 
seven of their last ten. So it's weird to say because I'm going to be honest, I was that guy for about eight years straight said this is the year the Spurs are too old and they continually made me look stupid. Um, right. But without Kawhi and leaning heavy minutes on Parker Ginobili and Pau Gasol, maybe we are just seeing a decline. Um, they're only a game and a half up on the Nuggets in Oklahoma City and actually only three games up right now on the nine-seed Clippers. So, I mean, it is very possible they drop. Um, I heavily subscribe to the Never Count Popovich camp out. I Never Count Popovich out camp, uh, so he scares me still. But, um, no, I don't think it's crazy that they fall. But I think a conservative guess with Utah still surging, the Spurs being Spurs, who knows what happens with the Timberwolves. I think I'd probably put us at the five, but I think you could see the Nuggets anywhere from four to six, four to seven. No, I, I can't disagree with that at all, honestly. Uh, it's 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 going to be really interesting to see what the Spurs do. They, I did a schedule analysis earlier this week, and uh, if you're kind of interested in seeing a whole bunch of schedules on the same page, then take a look at that on denverstiffs.com. Uh, there, and it basically kind of goes into the the strength of the opponent that that each of the teams have left to face. And the Utah Jazz have a very weak strength of schedule left, which leads me to believe that they'll get in. They they play a lot of home games. They play a lot of weak teams, uh, teams that don't necessarily have a lot to play for. Uh, a team like the Spurs, I think, is the hardest schedule in in the among those teams left, simply because they have a they have a lot of tough games left. And while a lot of them, while some of them come at home, probably more so than away, like they, they face a number of back-to-backs, they face a number of Western Conference playoff teams that are all competing for the same thing. And, and those guys are older. Like they, how, how, how much can you really rely on a 40-year-old Ginobili, a, however old Pau Gasol is, he's, he just ages pretty, pretty well. But uh, Tony Parker at 35, like he's really shown a lot of, a lot of age. It's hard for me to say that the Spurs are like able to maintain at this point. And and if they prove me wrong, then they prove me wrong. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if they go like 500 the rest of the way. And if right. they did go 500 the rest of the way, then they'd only win around, I don't know, 46 games. That seems yeah. like a, a number that the Nuggets could be. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't disagree. I don't I don't disagree at all. All right, all right, but we are going to move we're going to move on because uh I I noticed you guys are trying to extend it here, but you are not going to get out of uh, <laughs> out of this this contest. Dang it. Here. But wait, Zach, where are you putting them in the playoffs? We at least got to get yeah, your No, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm um I'm putting them at the number 4 seed. Uh all right, moving on. So, uh <laughs> wow. this is this is the game. It's very simple. It's very very simple. Uh, I will ask you each, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you each three names, three names, we'll go one at a time and we'll alternate back and forth, uh, and it's very simple, you hear the name, you have to tell me if it is a former Denver Nugget or a current U.S. Olympic athlete, (laughs) easy enough, easy enough, so Ryan, I'm going to start with you, oh good, your name is Jeff Congdon, Jeff Congdon. Uh, that sounds like an Olympic athlete to me. That sounds like an Olympic athlete. Ryan is incorrect. 
Okay. Jeff Congdon played for the Denver Rockets in the 1968-69 and 1969-1970 seasons. Dude, I'm 21, bro. <laughs> to be fair to Ryan, you did say it was a former Nugget, so... Oh, oh, Denver Nuggets. Oh, all right. Oh, you, this is. I'll give you. I'll give Brian half a half a half a point for Ryan. Half a point for Ryan uh, on that. Remember one. this, Ryan. Come to my defense later. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, Mark. Your name is Matt Hamilton. Matt Hamilton. Sounds like the bland name of a Winter Olympian. Matt, you are correct. But this is see, this is this is how we can tell you have not been watching the uh, the 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 Olympics. Matt Hamilton is a U.S. Olympian. He is a member of the U.S. Men's Curling Team. All right. Of course, they. Gosh, that sounds such a curling name. In the semifinals and play for the gold. I believe. What maybe tonight? Tomorrow night. Um, I will say that curling is probably my second favorite event behind the half pipe. There you go. See, we got we got we got some hot curling takes here on the Pick X Pundit show. I can't believe you guys said it. No, he's been like he he's like him and his sister are on the are both on the team. Uh, it's it's like a big deal. And U.S. the the American men beating the American the Canadian men in the semifinals in curling also a big deal. Uh, so none so, of. None of these athletes are going to come up, but quick shout out to U.S. Women's Hockey winning the gold on an amazing yes. shootout. Yes, that was that was quite awesome, especially after after we we saw the the U.S. Men's team losing a shootout, unable to score a goal. Um, yeah, damn. Did you watch? Yeah. Did you watch that U.S. Men's game, uh, Ryan? No, but I did watch the shootout of the uh, of the women's game. Uh, That's they too the bad goalie because the, they dubbed the goalie are... the Secretary of Defense. <laughs> I like it. There are unfortunately no U.S. women's hockey players in former Denver Nugget, current U.S. Olympic <laughs> athlete. But there might be a men's hockey player. It's too bad you weren't watching. All right. So with that, I will give you the next question. Ryan, Logan Hanneman. Logan Hanneman, former Denver Nugget or current U.S. Olympic athlete. Oh, God. Uh well, just because you said that, uh, Olympic athlete. See, I gave you a hint. He is, Logan Hanneman is a current U.S. Olympic athlete. However, maybe I was trying to trick Mark because Logan Hanneman is actually a member of the U.S. cross-country skiing team. <laughs> Six foot one, 185 out of Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh my he God. was the 2016 Under-23 World Championships, finished 15th in the sprint freestyle. Wow, of course, yeah. (laughs) Fairbanks, baby. Fairbanks represents. All right, (laughs) Mr. Mark Grimaldi, your next former Nugget or U.S. Olympic athlete, Arvid Kramer. Arvid Kramer. Arvid would be a pretty weird name nowadays. Maybe it's an old name. We've also got two straight Olympians, so I'm going to try to game the system. So I'm going to go with a former Denver Nugget. Dang, I just, Mark is on point with this. You are correct. Arvid Kramer, former Denver Nugget, drafted by the Utah Jazz in the 1979 NBA draft. He was involved with the trade with Bernard King, and that left him no more room on the roster. So he was waived and later signed to a 10-day contract 
by your Denver Nuggets. He would play only eight games with the team. Arvid Kramer. All right, one more. Good thing he's picking easy ones. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) One more for Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, your name is Troy Terry. Troy Terry, former Denver Nugget or current U.S. Olympic athlete. Troy Terry, is that what it was? Yes, sir. Uh, And how old is this person? That's like, not how the game works, Ryan. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, former Nuggets player. Former Nuggets player Troy Terry. That is incorrect. Uh, Ryan, where'd you grow up? Uh, Highlands Ranch, bro. Troy Terry <laughs> is a U.S. Olympics men's athlete for the hockey team. He is from the University of Denver and grew up in Highlands Ranch. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Blackburn is awful. I think I'll let me check. (laughs) Hey, man. Hey, you you got to understand. You got to understand. Former Denver Nuggets player. Like, <laughs> he could have grown up in Colorado. <laughs> he could have. He could have. He's that's, probably. That's I so disappointing. I think he might even be like the same. You guys probably went to high school together, man. Like, Ryan geez. probably went to Troy Terry High School. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, I think he's oh like 20 gosh. or 21 years old. <laughs> Jeez, Ryan. Uh, all right, I think that, wow. I think that means I think I think Mark wins by default. So one because we're pretty much out of time, and two because if you don't know the old guy who from your hometown, like man, <laughs> that's okay. You know, I, it's all good. I've been I've been stuck in the sand of South Carolina, and uh, we don't have that much sand, so you can understand how far down how far my head is down in the in the earth right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. We'll tell you what. I think we are, that is going to be the show because, like I said, we are out of time. So make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Denver Stiffs, at Indian Dash Radio. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Ryan is at NBA, NBA Blackburn. Mark is at Marcus Bland. He's only got like 32 followers. So go follow him. <laughs> We're going to try and get those numbers up. Uh, on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Give us a follow. Give us a like on Facebook. Facebook, make sure to check out Facebook Live here in about 30 minutes. I will be courtside for the Denver Nuggets game against the Los Angeles Clippers. No, who are we playing tonight? Houston Rockets? Uh, we're not even playing a game tonight. It's, we're playing tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm just completely out of, out of combined. Yeah. Never mind. Anyways, uh, but still give us a follow and a like on Facebook. And make sure you are, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, Please subscribe, give a rating, and give a review. All right, Mark, Ryan, appreciate you guys being on. Thanks for having me. I'm going to change my Twitter handle to number one Troy Terry fan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. 